Welcome back, guys, to the Sweet Science Media with myself, Fat Mouse. What have you got here? I'm Cash with a K and not a C. Sensational. Guys, today we've got a very special guest coming on. He's joining us on Zoom. We have got former WKA world champion, Ahmed Abdullah, also manager and advisor to the champions. Uh, we're about to get him on now, so let's just see if we can find him. Welcome, Mr. Ahmed. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me on, brother. It's a pleasure and honor to be on. Thank you so much. How are you anyway? Before we sort of delve into into some of the questions and uh, some topics upcoming, what's life been like during the pandemic for you? What's what's the situation currently? How is everything going in Vegas? Everything is good. You know, I mean, Nevada, Las Vegas in specific, you know, was one of the most hit uh, cities and areas in the country. But uh, overall, I, I think there, everything is, is making a turnaround. And, um, you know, this pandemic, I think, showed us who we are on a... Uh, society stage and I think more so globally on a humanitarian stage of you know, what we can endure and what we can get through and what we can overcome. So uh, I'm optimistic to see that, you know, inshallah we're at the end of this tunnel and mm-hmm. at the end of this uh, pandemic. So looking forward to uh, the, the brighter days again. But alhamdulillah for everything. Really. Alhamdulillah. Always, always. It's, um, it's good to have that perspective is, as well. Is, is life in Vegas sort of back to normal? Are gyms open? Are you, are you training? What's the situation like? No, gym, gyms are not open, at least not to the public. Uh, most of the restaurants are at 25% capacity. Um, but, you know, and the shows aren't going on. You know, that's a big drawing yeah. point for Las Vegas. But uh, the, the casinos are open. You know, the strip is busy. Uh, I think the Americans in general just got sick of being locked down. And, you know, they, they made a choice. They just want to go out and do what they want to do. Yeah. And that's, that's where we are now. You know, the restaurants are our capacity. And, you know, over the weekends, it's difficult to have to find a reservation. Yeah. Because they are a quarter occupancy, but yeah, life. I mean, is as it's not nearly a hundred percent, but you know, it, it's back to at least uh, the sociable um, uh, guidelines and, and mm-hmm. interactions. Gyms are not open. That's that's the upsetting part. That's the uh, the unfortunate one. But for someone like yourself, you have uh, private uh, somewhere to train and somewhere to train the fighters, right? Sure, sure. Uh, all of our fighters, we're, we're very fortunate to have a great relationship with a lot of local gyms. So. I was going to say as well, I wanted to mention is a lot of people don't realize, but for the fighters, obviously, it's difficult right now what's happening. It's hard to make fights, hard to get fights. It's hard for people to sort of match up and travel and, you know, get their camp sorted. But what's it like from a manager's perspective? No one really looks at the promoters and the managers currently. Your head must be in about a thousand different places at the moment because of what's going on. Uh, You've got these guys, you know, sitting idle, so... Uh, it's really the manager and promoter's job to be able to use your resources, uh, network connections, whatever it may be, to keep your guys active. So I have a kid that I just signed, uh, a new pro, uh, Bryce Mills. And fortunately enough for us, you know, he was a Silver Gloves national champion. He just turned professional. Now he's 3 0, inshallah, 4 0 next week. But uh, you know, we're finding local, regional uh, shows that he can fight on. Um, and and you know, both, uh, on, on a regional level, both shows are out there. Now, mind you, the difference is now you're buying a lot more slots than there are promoters actually paying you. It's more of a, a privilege to fight on the cards yeah. than it is to pay to get on the cards. Now, on a bigger scale with guys like Bobby and Jack, I'm delighted you know, we have great relationships with guys you know that are doing things like the Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones yeah. fight and some other potential fights that are coming up also that Mayweather Promotions is you know laying rolling out. So at this point, I mean, it's a lot more being creative and really using your resources and the connections that you have in order to keep your guys busy. But look, there are guys that have been shelling for a year, year and a half that have not been doing 
Yeah, absolutely. I think we saw even over the weekend uh, fighters who haven't been fighting for about a year and a half, and as a result, they've, they've suffered losses because well, their performance has been uh, compromised. So it's good to keep them busy, definitely. It's all, yeah. Um, and I wanted to ask how you, like, what made you want to transition from actual be, actually being a fighter um, at such an, a young age anyway, mashallah, into to, to becoming, uh, you know, a manager so, so quickly? Uh, actually, I, I'll even go back. When I first turned pro October 20th of 2000, 21 years ago, nearly 21 years ago, that was my only fight that I fought under a different promoter. So at that age, I think I was 23, 24 years old at that age, at that time, maybe 22 years old. I, I turned pro and I fought, actually it was for a friend of mine. And I went through the training camp, I went through everything. If you remember a uh, old legendary fighter named Angel Manfredi. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and he worked my corner. He's a close friend of mine. So he worked my corner for my pro fight. Um, and, uh, and after the fight, you know, and I, and I sold a ton of tickets. I had, you know, a great uh, uh, fan base there. And then after the fight, I was given $250 for my purse. Good money. I, thought, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know enough to negotiate my purse. I didn't know enough to, to have any bout agreements or anything like that, uh, ticket commissions or anything like that. So I said, this does not make enough sense for me. At that age, I, I went and I took a little bit of time. I started studying the actual business of boxing, kickboxing. And I actually was the very first promoter to ever promote himself. And I'll tell you, I got such a backlash. I was in, in my early 20s, and everybody was saying how it's such a conflict of interest, how mm-hmm. you know a fighter shouldn't be able to manage himself, mm-hmm. and, uh, and how awful that was. Fast forward 20 years, every major fighter is doing it. I was just about now, to I say never got the chance to make the money that they did. But, you know, my, my mind was always in that business kind of uh, an angle. Mm. And, uh, and so I, I was always, I've been promoting, I have a stable, and I was promoting and fighting at the same time. I'll tell you, brother, there, there was a few years where I was doing all the ticket sales, handling it myself, you know, before all of these big online ticket mm-hmm. uh, came on. I was manually hustling to tickets. I was seeking sponsorships and trying to get sponsorships. I was setting up the venue myself with my team picking up the ring manually, loading it, uh, you know, unloading it, setting it up, setting up chairs, labeling chairs, setting up the lights, uh, and fighting on the card. That also <laughs> includes all the matchmaking, doing all the bout agreements. I did it all. I mean, I did that for shows. And every single show, Allah, I was like, I am never doing this. <laughs> but, you know, I loved the challenge. I loved, you know, all the adversity that came with it. Mm-hmm. And overcoming it was just such a victorious feeling so I did all of that and I think that's what you know if I could use the word successful I think that's what makes me successful now is I've touched every part of this game mind you I was still running my gym training fighters putting my own fighters on the card so I you know I've been a, I've been a manager I mean, I've been a coach I've been a gym owner I've been a manager I've been a promoter I've been an advisor a fighter so when I'm negotiating on any one of those behalves I know what the other side is thinking because mm-hmm. I've touched every part of this game yeah um, and I think that, that that's a huge advantage. Absolutely. Um, and that, that that's why I feel like a lot of fighters nowadays, especially this generation of fighters, are beginning to sort of come out of that shell of just being focused on fighting. Because the mindset before was, I'm just going to fight, I'm going to jump in there and, and fight whoever, mm-hmm. collect my money and I'm going to go home. And it's on to the yeah. next. Whereas there was a few select who had a business acumen behind it and thought about the bigger picture. Exactly. 
Well, my slogan in, in this whole thing is this is a business disguised as a sport. That's just, <laughs> and it really is. And when you look at you know, the guy that really raised the bar, Floyd Mayweather, yeah. he exposed that more than anything. Mind you, he also hurt the sport so much by that. Now every fighter thinks they're entitled yeah. to Floyd kind of money. Yeah. But what nobody knows is the struggles that Floyd went through to get to that point. Mm-hmm. But Floyd was such an out-of-the-box you know, athlete and entertainer. Uh, and towards the end of his career, when he started you know, having the kind of hands injuries that he did, and he started talking a whole lot of, uh, a lot more you know, when, when he couldn't really put guys out, it was just a boxing skill. And for the average fan, that's not really entertaining. Mm. You saw the backlash from the Manny Pacquiao fight. Mm-hmm. People thought it was going to be this, you know, Hagler-Hearns fight, and it was a clinic. Um, so, so Floyd started doing the trash talking, and it attracted so many people to that. It just you know, put a whole different set of eyes on it. And then as you move forward now with uh, the age of social media, you know, we just did the Tyson Holt, the Tyson uh, Jones fight. And I, and I had, and I was saying, imagine if social media was around in Mike Tyson's fight. Imagine what that would have done. Mm. But the the answer to that is, look what it did for the Jones fight. You know, the eighth highest pay per view fight in the history of fights. Yep. And that's all due to Mike Tyson, who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a lot more. And I always tell all the fighters that I work with, you have a responsibility to brand yourself. You have a responsibility, you know, to have an active social media. I swear, to you, I swear, to you, the the, uh, the 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 opportunities that I get from sponsors, I get more for my guys that have more of a social media and less of a boxing pedigree yeah. than I do for my established world champions that have a smaller social media. Yeah, yeah. The first thing that these enterprises look for and these companies look for is what kind of social media followers you have. Mark forget about what kind of social media. He's a two division world champion. <laughs> but, but, uh, nowadays, it doesn't matter now. Yeah, it's true. It's great. I, it, and this is why I was going to touch on it is because you, you, you've seen the highs and the lows now. So you've seen what what life is like now for a fighter. Then you're also involved in the Jones, uh, Tyson Jones. You're also involved with KSI, Vidal Riley, these YouTube guys with huge social media platforms who have managed to break through to, 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 to like the likes of The Zone and be on Sky Sports in the UK, be on pay-per-view. Um, and then they got huge backlash for, for that. What are your thoughts on the YouTube boxing scene and, and guys like KSI and Jake Paul, you know, who's got a fight with Ben Askren coming up, you know, um, and what Before they could that, do for the boxing this. scene? In five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when people are going to barely remember this, you know, glimmer of a fight that happened, mm-hmm. the, the hatred, the animosity, the backlash, that'll all be gone. But you know what won't be gone? The bank account. So what really matters for you to put food on the table for your family, build your empire, start investing, um, you know, give your family a better lifestyle and go through that adversity now, or you know, the yeses and the okays and the, and the cheers, uh, eat that now and then 15 years down the road, like, damn, I don't have a pocket pistol. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many world champions that I've come in contact with that I work with that would be shocking to see what their value is now after being in the limelight for so long because they never grasp that financial picture yes. and yeah. that opportunity of that revenue stream at that time. Look, mm-hmm. a fighter's shelf life is very short. That the, the life that they make money, very short. And and there was one world champion that I was talking to, and he said, and I'll never forget this, this is one of the things that's always implanted in my mind. He said, if I knew the money train was going to end when it did, I would have done things totally different. Mm-hmm. You're one fight away, you're one shot away, you're one loss away from an all-end. So go make your money. I'm okay with it. And the mind you, 
do I think they should be taking the thunder from real fighters? No. But I'm not hating on them. I commend them. Mm. Go make your money. Look, they put in their time in the YouTube world. KSI did you know, 10, 12 years before he built the platform that he was. So he did put effort into something else. He's just maximizing it somewhere else. Exactly. If I were to tell you it was not going to pay you a million or two million dollars to go uh, play uh, badminton, because of your fire. Let's go. I, I think you single one of those be picking up a racket and going over. 100%. Yeah, it's let them make their money, and I think it's great for the sport. And I think, you know, bringing over that YouTube, you know, social media community is huge. Mm-hmm. And mind you, it brings a ton of sponsorship over to Absolutely, absolutely. Did, did, um, so you mentioned obviously the king of all, or the guy who brought this all to fruition, uh, the promoting himself and selling himself and making the money Mayweather, for example, Floyd. Being in and around the Mayweathers in camp and seeing them up in person and having discussions, how has that affected your side of promotion and your side of managing fighters? How has that helped you? Floyd is larger than life. And whether you like him, dislike him, you know, abide by his personal life or whatever it may be, you can't take away from the fact that what he did professionally and what he did in the ring um, arguably will never be done again mm. and has never been done. Um, he, he raised the bar. Financially, he raised the bar entertainment-wise. He raised the bar attraction-wise. Nobody will ever make the kind of gate, and I mean tickets sold, that Floyd Mayweather will, will make. Nobody will ever match the pay-per-view numbers that Floyd was able to attract. Nobody will ever bring the sponsorship revenue that Floyd was able to, to, to be a part of. And, and, and I had the fortune of being involved with, with quite a few Floyd Mayweather fights. The aura of a Mayweather fight. When Floyd Mayweather fought Manny Pacquiao, they shut down the private airport that's here because the plane, the private planes were lined up side by side by side <laughs> because of how many celebrities and A-list people flew in. Las Vegas did $1 billion of revenue outside of the fight itself that weekend because that fight was taking place. That's the king when it comes to boxing. You know, he's done things that nobody else has done. Mm-hmm. And, and I looked the other day and I was looking at, you know, I saw the curiosity. I was wondering, my wife asked me, you know, how much does Tom Brady make? And I looked at his salary, and it was you know a ten-year deal for like two hundred eighty million dollars. And I said, "What Tom Brady did in ten years, Floyd did in thirty-six million." Exactly, crazy. There's a lot to be said about that. <laughs> There's a lot to be said about that. So, going back to your your, your question is, you know, what is it like to be around that, and how does that not level you up? Mm-hmm. You know, it's and Floyd is just. And mind you, this is a guy with a seventh-grade education. This is not a college degree. This is not a master's degree. This is not a doctor. This is a guy that built it based on the belief of himself and his skills. Yeah. And you got to give him credit for it. I, I was reading, and I, sh- I showed Mouse earlier today, a statistic saying, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but to me it sounds like it. He's, he's only one of five um, athletes to, to make a billion. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, over a billion, yeah. I think it is. Yeah, a billion dollars. Yeah, 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 two fights by themselves, you know, he was over a half billion dollars. I mean, he's, he's, he's done a phenomenal. I mean, he was, think about this for 10 years straight, he was the highest paid athlete, not fighter, mm-hmm. athlete mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, athlete more than Messi, more than uh, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, yeah, LeBron, more than all of those guys. Yeah, it's actually crazy. It's, it's scary the scope of this thing, people don't realize that. Boxing itself as a sport, like you said, a business disguised as a sport, is larger than life. And you get characters and you get athletes and, and, and you get this, fighters. Let me add this to, to, to my point. All those other fighters, that include their endorsements. Floyd's endorsements, zero. 
never allowed anybody to endorse him for his career until late, you know, he started bringing on new blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 When it became but worth it for him. <laughs> Zero endorsement. Most other guys, their endorsements supersede their contract. Yeah, yeah. You said he, he stopped at seventh grade, and you just can't teach genius, that's why. You know, it's not something that you get taught. He, he's he got a gift, and it's not just in his boxing. It's absolutely phenomenal. Bro. So many things that he does. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we, that we could talk about Mayor all day, and, and unfortunately, we won't get bored. But I wanted to, to, to put a focus on one of my favorite boxers who, you know, he's associated with you, and that's, that's Paddy Jack. Um, from way before this started, way before you know anything, up, I was watching him coming up, and I was really impressed with this guy who's he's from all over the place, you know, uh, Swedish, gone to America originally. I forget. Gambian. There we go. Thank you, originally Gambian. And I was just like, you know, this is it's amazing. You see the guy, and 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 he he looks smooth. He you see what I mean? He's like a clean cut guy, but then in the ring, killer, clinic, you know, clinical killer. His, his previous fights where he's suffered crazy injuries and he's just carried on. Um, how did that friendship, if you like, come come to fruition in the, in the first place? Uh, you know, for, it was during the time when I was still training. I was training at Floyd's gym here in, in Nevada. Okay. I was still active during that time. Bardu was still active. Well, he is active. Yeah. He was getting ready for a fight. So we would cross paths in the gym. And I had learned that he was a Muslim fighter. So that was, I was a big fan of Bardu's because he was a Muslim. Same. Um, <laughs> I was just we used to always give each other salams and whatnot, and then you know, he would ask some religious questions and whatnot. We started talking and whatnot, and one thing led to another, and then um, you know we became good friends first. And and uh, after you know a little while, he asked us if you would be open to joining the team. And I said, of course, um, you know if I can bring value to it, and, and I did. And he was very happy with everything, and come to that we are where we are now. And, uh, you know, he, and this is I mean we just we just really partnered up. 2017, so just three, four years ago that we got together, but we built, I think, a great foundation and a great, um, you know, no pun intended, but it does have a foundation. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, there we go. Literally yeah. wanted to move, move, move on yeah, to that. Who's... Yeah, uh, a lot of great things going. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't want to ask whose idea it was, because it's not about taking credit, but it's, it's how did it come about? Uh, the Bad New Jack Foundation, for those who don't know, it's, um, well, in fact, can you, can you, it's better coming from you. Tell us about the, the Badajoz Foundation. Badajoz was always doing things, you know, with the Gambia. He was giving back, you know, to small communities and whatnot. And he was mm -hmm. doing a lot of philanthropic things, but he was doing it very quietly. So, so I came in with my big mouth and I said, "Listen, here's what you need to do. If you really want to help people and you want to do it on a global scale, then you need to start a foundation. And mind you, even for you know, for people to be able to make donations and whatnot, it's a lot easier yes. from, a, from a tax perspective than just from, a, from an enterprise, uh, you know, standing and how you can help." And solicit more sponsor or more mm -hmm. donations so that you can make. So if you're giving these guys, let's just say, you know, a hundred dollars, now you can give them two thousand dollars because of how many more people are going to be attracted yeah, to what you yeah. do. Mm -hmm. And he goes, if this is what's going to help people, he goes, I really, goes, I just don't want to be in the limelight giving people and cameras on me and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Bajul is one of the most humble, down to earth people that I've ever met in my life, and and he he makes me shy because of how humble he is. Uh, so we started the Bajul Jack Foundation, and now he's working, you know, with of course. At the uh, people in Gambia, uh, he's, he's he's now built helping build uh, orphanages, uh, well fresh water wells. He's working with the refugees in Syria, Palestine, uh, help you know, equip one of their uh, medical facilities. Again, more orphanage there. He's got the Bobby Jack Education Center. Uh, so he's doing a lot of great things. And now we're shifting our focus to the pandemic. We're really able to 
have access over there as much as we wanted to. Yeah. We're just helping it use foster children in the United States as well. Amazing. What we'll do is we'll, we'll race, religion, creed. He just he's helping everybody and anybody because he feels you know, that's his obligation to champion. Yeah. Absolutely. I was going to say what we'll do is we'll put a link down in our description as well. We'll put a link up on the screen as well, so people can obviously help out because it's it's fascinating that you know when you've got someone in that kind of position who earns a good amount of money, um, that it's a good thing, and it's always you know mm -hmm. to give back. Giving back is yeah, relative. I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Even his last fight, you know, I mean that that that, that first wasn't where Badu usually it was getting paid. The caliber of opponent isn't the mm -hmm. caliber of opponent. I just fought eight world champions back to back. And he said, you know, I'm going to do this. And again, going back to what I was saying earlier was, you know, the connections that we had, we were able to keep Bobby busy. We were able to keep him, you know, active during a pandemic when very few people were active. Mm -hmm. And he said, what I'd like to do is, you know, donate the proceeds to this fight mm -hmm. to my foundation. I mean, I want to say that that fight was entertaining, though. It was Blake is a tough man. Tough man. He took shots and he was yeah, eating them coming forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's criminal. We're big fans of Badu. I think it's criminal the fact that he is so good and so underrated. Absolutely. So late in his career as well. You know, he's done it all. He's fought the best of the best. You know, we're from the UK. He's fought James DeGale. Um, he's fought George Groves. He's arguably beat DeGale. You could have gave. You could have gone either way in that fight. Uh, yeah, cleverly came in and stopped cleverly in five rounds. You know, he's been in there. You know. Pascal, he's been in there with some of the best in the division up and down, and he's won it in, in both, in two divisions. I, I find it quite crazy the fact that. There's a lot of politics. And I think I know where you're going. And I'll say it because I think you're too, too, too respectful of the person to say it. I'll tell you, Biden's been screwed by you know the powers that be and for whatever reason. I don't buy, and I, you know, and, and I had this conversation with the promoter, I don't buy the fact that it's just bad faith. Five times in a row. I mm -hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. Now, could Badu start a little bit sooner? Sure, he could. And and you'll see him start a lot faster in the fight in, in this next fight show. But more importantly, he won the fight. Like the Degal fight, he won the fight. Mm -hmm. The Stevenson fight, he won the fight. The 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 the, 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 the what is it? The Pascal fight, Pascal. he won the fight. You know, he took about seventy six percent of the people, or seventy four percent of the people that were watching said Badu won the fight after the ring. After the fight, look in the ring. His, Pascal's corner, you know, they all have their heads down like mm -hmm. they just lost the title. We're all celebrating before the decision's even rendered. Yeah. And imagine this. A man with Badu Jack was a five-time or six-time world champion. What that would have done for his family financially. Mm -hmm. Crazy. The, the politics in this sport cost the man a livelihood. And Badu doesn't shy away from it. But he alluded to earlier 132 stitches and said three yeah. stitches. And the guy kept fighting. He refused to stop. Unbelievable fight as well. Yeah, unbelievable heart. This is the most underrated fighter in boxing today. Agreed. And, and it's a shame. Agreed. Yeah, big shame. You mentioned that uh, he might be fighting against him. I, I, I take it there's something planned, is that? I mean, nothing, nothing is finalized yet, but you know, we're hoping to get the, uh, the Pascal rematch done sooner than later. Okay, um, brilliant. Everybody's on board. We're just waiting for you know the right venue and the right location, the right okay. dates. We're just waiting. You know, maybe whether most people give us to go ahead and the green light once they have everything done, Amazing. and we're ready to go. Are you, are you, 
I know it's a bit early now to, to, to sort of talk about where it could be staged. Are we looking Canada? Are we looking US? Bring it to Wembley. Uh, I don't think it would be Canada. I think there's a lot of problems across the board. I can't imagine it being anywhere but the United States. Yeah. Bring it over to us. We'll, we'll host, host the O2. Oh, I would love to do a fight in the UK. I yeah. think the, the, the plan was also you know, to have the Dow make a big what what are the plans with Vidal anyway at the moment? I'm sorry. What are the plans with Vidal at the moment? So right now, you know, he's rehabilitating the injury that he suffered, you know, for the for the Jones fight. He really wanted to push through that fight, but I'm telling you, the kid would have been at 25, 30 percent. There's no way I'm going to put a fighter in there mm-hmm. like that. Like, like, when you go through camp again, because I know what it's like to go through camp. I'm not a manager and a promoter sitting from you know uh, behind a desk and making that call. I've been there. I know what it's like. And a fighter will be the last person to say, I'm done. But um, having said that, um, you know, going through training camp, you, know, you, you, you do suffer and you do get injured. And if you can come into the fight at 90%, 95%, you're way ahead of most people because yeah. of the, you know, how, 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 how much you know, pain and injury Absolutely. and just you know, tedious the training camp is. But Vidal, with that injury, it would have tripled I mean, that's a, he was at a best case scenario of 30%. There's zero chance at it. Of course. No, no one would want to miss out on a Mike Tyson pay-per-view. To be on that, yeah. it has to be something serious for you to be like, no, you know what, I can't do it. You have to pull from the card. I can't tell you how difficult the decision was. That had to have been my top, one of my top two or three most difficult calls I had to I can imagine because it's heartbreaking. Imagine growing up, someone being an icon, someone you look up to for so long, and then having the opportunity. Vidal probably never ever imagined it in his life that he'd probably get the opportunity to, to, to be on a title. Father, they were like, "Are you kidding me?" And I still look at you know they they gave Tyson two slots and he gave them to me. He put Badu on one, Vidal on the other one. This is not a small opportunity, and I'm you know tremendously grateful for Mike and his team for for. Trusting us with that, and you know, I, I felt awful that you know, we couldn't get that slot filled. And how many people would pay to be on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope there's there's you know bigger opportunities, better better opportunities for him in the future. Yeah, he's got some other. Yeah, silver lining. Most important. Thing. Absolutely. And had he gone out there and got injured and maybe even a worse, even a long term injury or lost, nobody would have been forgiven about that. Right? Exactly. The Dalva bomb, the overrated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. YouTube guy, so. You have to take that into <clears throat> Just quickly, Amir, before before we sort of depart, um, you're good friends with someone who fought a few weeks ago, um, made his return, uh, Caleb Plant. And um, there's there's a few sort of talks around, you know, surrounding Canelo and a super fight and someone, you know, actually giving him a problem. And I've watched Plant for a very, very long time. And I used to say to Mouse, this guy's boxing IQ, the way he moves in the ring, He's so smart. He'll give a lot of these guys a lot of problems. And um, I see a, I see a lot. Of, I mean, recently anyway, I've seen some comments saying that this guy doesn't stand a chance against Canelo. He hits too, he doesn't hit not hard enough. What are your thoughts on it anyway? Uh, I mean, you know, being quite close to the guy, um, how do you see him doing in that fight and, and sort of, you know, from discussions of what you've seen? Well, before I answer that question, let me go back. Caleb Plant, you know, when I first met him, uh, again, I was training, and, and, and we were in the gym together, and he told me about his daughter, Aliyah. Yeah. My daughter's name is Ali. Yeah. Uh, they were both, you know, at that time, my daughter was two years old. He told me how his daughter passed away when she was two years 
as he's talking to me, you know, uncontrollably, I start crying. Like I start tearing up because I put myself in this position. Mm-hmm. And and I told him, I said, I, I will stop at nothing to help you along the way and do whatever I have to do to help you get to where you want to be. Because you understand, I've already died. When my daughter died, I already died. This is all I've got left. Yeah. At that point, I knew this kid was going to be destined to be the absolute best, or he'd be carried away when I'm so Caleb Platt one is the most marketable fighter in boxing in my opinion because not only can he box uh, a lot savvier than most people mm-hmm. we see, but he can talk better than ninety nine percent. Yeah. Of people. And the fact is, he's a white boy. <laughs> so that all of those things coupled together, and he's with the most powerful manager in the world, Al Heyman, mm-hmm. uh, or the advisor in the world. Uh, those are all coupled for a huge recipe for success. So yeah. one is his commitment to the fight game is unparalleled. Uh, Caleb is an absolute, genuinely great man, but very few people can see that because he's so obsessed with one thing, and that's his boxing. Yeah, yeah. And that's all it is. Yeah. There's very little outside of Caleb to find other than boxing, so he's all in this. Yeah. As far as the Canelo fight, you know, Canelo's people were, 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 were I don't want to say smart, but they were, you know, they were witty enough to, after his last fight, in Nashville, not this one here, one before that, mm-hmm. in Nashville, and, and literally as he's coming down the stairs off the ring, they told him, you know, get ready in nine weeks, we'll, uh, you know, we'll have a fight. They're trying, they're trying to do to Caleb what Floyd did to Canelo, and catch him early enough where, uh, where you know, Canelo's uh, experience could supersede Caleb's. But because Caleb has a great team around him, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Do I think a fight will happen? Absolutely. Do I think Caleb? Beats Canelo convincingly without one ounce of doubt in my mind that that is the most uh, you know, objective, uh, uh, unsubjective, un- unemotional decision that I can make. And I think Caleb's IQ, even at this stage, can beat Canelo. Uh, and, and, and you heard it from me here that I, he will he will beat Canelo convincingly. Wow, we've got that. That's going to be. You got that. That's the caption. I'm, I'm not a betting. I'm not a betting man, but if I were to be one, I'd, I'd have to. I'd go with those words there, man. But this is what I wanted to say. The kid is just built different. I was going to say the amount of adversity he's already come through. Absolutely. Your mindset. Caleb. Caleb. Caleb is the kind of guy that if anybody doesn't know him, you don't understand him. Because as long as Caleb is convinced of something, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Yeah, I'll give you a case in point. Uh, his wife, Jordan, yeah. uh, who's a great Fox commentator, by the way, uh, uh, when, when they were dating, they were about to get married, they sent me an invitation for the wedding. And I looked at my calendar, and it was still about a month or two out, and I had an event that I had planned that weekend. So I, 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 you know, I, I respectfully, I waited to see if I could you know, move my date, shift my date. So it was a big event that we were holding out in Rhode Island. It was a, you know, one of our bigger events. So I told him, I said, respectfully, I will listen, guys. I'm sorry, I can't wait to wedding. But anything you need from me, let me know. And they're like, okay, sorry, you couldn't make it, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you this. A month or maybe three weeks before the wedding, Jordan calls me and she's like, uh, Caleb wants to uh, Caleb wants to know if we, can, if we can hop on a call. I said, man, you don't have to ask. And he's like, okay, ready to do it. I go, oh, okay, so he sets you up. Said, Champ, what do you need? Mind you, this is before everything. And he goes, yeah, you know, I know that you said that you have, uh, you know, an event out in Rhode Island. I just need you to do me a favor for the wedding. 
I mean, whatever you need. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you asked me to get the cake ready. You asked me to order the mold, you know, arrangements. He goes, I, I need you to marry us. Wow. I said, yeah, I've I seen it. I saw it in your Instagram. I understand what you're saying. I mean, what I'm telling you is, I don't understand that. That's why I can't make it. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know. I, I just need you to marry us. <laughs> I can't be there to marry you. I have an event that's going to make me money, and I have my fighters. He goes, yeah, yeah I know. I just need you to marry us. <laughs> So I, I knew I knew what he was saying, and he's this hard-headed Man. that he's not going to understand what I'm saying. I go, champ, it would be my honor to marry you. And I, I ended up, I had somebody, you know, fill my place. I had one of my event coordinators, wow. event coordinators to cover the thing. And I went to Tennessee, and I married Jordan Caleb. Yeah. But that's just the mentality the guy has. Because when he has something in his head, he's just going to get it, regardless of what the other circumstances yeah. are. Yeah. So, and, and mind you, that was one of the, the biggest honors of my life. I saw it, yeah, I saw it. You posted a picture on your Instagram, I think, when it happened. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was beautiful, it was, yeah. It was, reception, it, was, you know, it was just amazing to be a part of that. And, uh, and, uh, but, but again, going back to eating the cake like this, when he has something in his mind, it doesn't matter what in place. So Canelo, believe the man has buried his daughter and his mother. There's not much that Canelo's going to propose in terms of adversity. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was saying. I was going to say he's been doubted all along anyway from the start. When he fought his category, everyone was like, nah, it's not going to happen. Uh, the Caleb Platt story in itself, and I know there's a documentary that we're working on, is phenomenal. The guy has literally overcome every eye you could possibly set. Mm-hmm. In boxing, in life, you know, growing up very, very poor. I remember telling me that he was going through you know, garbage cans to help feed him and his sister. Um, you know, just an absolutely amazing, amazing story. And I'll tell you, that kind of stuff reminiscent with him all the way through. So he, he wasn't built based off of praise. He wasn't built based off of you know, being this hype. He was built off of his commitment, his hard work, his adversity. How do you take that away from the guy? So you can talk all the crap you want about the guy. He wasn't built off of it anyway. Why does it even affect him? Yeah. It's built on what you're doing is actually fueling him for what he's gone through anyway. I remember we went to dinner, uh, this is before he was champion, this is before, you know, the money came, this is before all of that. And uh, we had gone to dinner, and, and I know that Caleb didn't have, at that time, you know, a lot of money. So he was those guys that used to take, you know, to-go uh, plates so that he could have lunch for the next day. And, and as we were leaving, he saw a woman at the, at the, uh, at the traffic light, uh, and she was sitting there, you know, begging me, and he goes, I just got to do this. And he, and he gets out of the car. And he goes over there and he gives her his food and he goes, well, I want you to have a nice warm meal. You just got this. And he does that because he knows what that person's like as he was that person. Mm-hmm. So, um, man, it's turned into the Caleb show time. The Caleb uh, plant show. Um, but the, you know, I, I, having said all of that, Caleb whoops Canelo. It's very <laughs> I'm excited for the fight when it does happen. I'm very excited for it. And I hope it happens this year. And if not, yeah. it can happen next year. But um, I know that they're targeting him to bring him in early, but that's going to be a big mistake. And I'm telling you, this kid is on a different level. Yes. Good, Amazing. good. Looking forward to that, man. Inshallah. All the best. Um, Ahmed, once again, thank you so much. I know you, you need to get back to the fight. Yeah, we can hear Ali in the background. But uh, we, we appreciate that. Um, hopefully, we can do this again sometime. But we'll uh, in the meantime, look after yourself and, and the family. I support everything you guys are doing. You have a great channel. And I hope that you guys. Uh, take off and skyrocket in a very successful show. Thank you very much. Uh, just before you leave, um, um, let, let the people know where they can follow you, 
be in touch uh, if they've got any, you know, if they want to sort of keep up to date with the latest uh, things with sure, Badu and sure. yourself. My Instagram, my handle is at Team Abdallah, and uh, Facebook is just my name on there, Abdallah. Perfect. I'm not really a big Twitter guy, but <laughs> keep after going. Trump left it, I think I'm going to hop on. <laughs> All right, man. Cool. Thanks again, man. We'll put Thank it you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch again very soon. Hopefully. Thank you. Take care. 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 Take